You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Got a lot to get to in this show. We got to get this rocking and rolling. We got some fantasy football coming up with uh, Andy Buckler. We've got some predictions for the upcoming season from yours truly and Alex. Playoff teams. We've got MVPs, players of the year across the board. And then we've got our Jags guy, John Shipley, to close out the show. So without further ado... From the Dynasty Nerds and the P2P Path to Production podcast, Andy Buckler. All right, Andy, how you doing today? I'm pretty good. How about you? Doing well. Fantasy football season. I'm sure a lot of drafts have already taken place. I got to tell you, I've been doing this for a few decades now, and you've just seen it grow and grow and grow. I mean, from early on with the magazines, websites, now tv shows everybody has a list right cheat sheets whatever you want to call them i wanted to get from you you know what's your process how do you develop your rankings just if you can give us a a general overview the ranking i spend the most time on are dynasty rankings so obviously a lot of like different stuff goes into those but for season-long rankings i mean my main thing is um when i do my rankings i'm ranking how i would draft the player not necessarily how i think they'll finish like the season-long finish but you know, a lot of things go into it, like you look at the new OCs and the camp reports and everything, and I kind of like to have, like, my final rankings kind of set, like, around now before, uh, like, this is, like, the biggest draft season now. But mainly it's just, like, how I'll draft the player, not necessarily where I think they're finished. Like, if I have Saquon Barkley as a 10th running back, this doesn't mean I'm telling you he's definitely going to finish there, but that's how I would draft it, if that makes sense. It's a, like, average draft position for the uh, fantasy aficionados out there, right? Yeah. Sure. It's all about value. What would you say? Now, I know some people probably haven't drafted yet as we record. You know, the bye week this year, and a lot of, a lot of drafts will probably be happening this weekend. So maybe you'll get the opportunity to hear some of these tips. What would be some just basic principles when you go into your draft or strategy that you would want to follow drafting a new team? Well, I think uh, some of the big ones are for me is just like draft tier based which means, like, if you have certain players that are in a certain tier, like uh, just mention, like, wide receivers. Say you're sitting there and it's, like, Tyreek Hill and Calvin Ridley. There's a clear tier break after those guys when you get into, like, the um, the C.D. Lambs and the uh, D.J. Moores or whatever. So you want to – I don't want to pass on wide receiver here because it drops real far after that or – that's how you know, like, I should go running back here because after, if I don't go running back here, then it looks real ugly. So tier, tier-based tier drafting, I think, is one of the best things to do. And then just, like, stick to one strategy and play the board. Like, don't go into a draft with a pre-baked strategy saying, like, I'm going to draft running back around one, running back around two, a tight end. It, you should just play the board, let things fall to you because when you have a pre-baked strategy, that's how you miss all the value. And if a guy falls – in the fifth round that shouldn't be there and you stuck to a strategy and don't have them, then that should hurt your team more than it should. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is number one in everybody's draft. And then number two, it seems like Dalvin Cook is the consensus number two. But we really have a problem with that number three guy, 
right? Zeke is going. Maybe it's got some other backs out there. Who is the third guy on your board? Are you confident that Ezekiel Elliott can bounce back or you're going with somebody else? Yeah, so I do uh, actually think Zeke will be good this season. But for me, I mean, I bounce back and forth all year. Like those three, four running backs, the third and fourth pick, real tough. But I've landed on Alvin Kamara as the third pick. Now that Jameis Winston's there, the big concern about Alvin Kamara is that he wasn't going to catch many passes with Taysom Hill. So now that concern, I mean, it's kind of out the window. I mean, Taysom Hill is probably still going to play a little bit, and maybe Jameis could lose the job. But he has it for now, and I just think uh, with no Michael Thomas – like Marquez Callaway is the wide receiver one, that Alvin Kamara is going to get fed, and especially in passing game PPR. So I think he's, I would say, probably like the slam dunk well, running back three in the third pick in drafts right now. Okay, makes sense. So Kamara is, is going ahead of Zeke. Name three of your favorite players who you think bring the greatest value in, in every fantasy draft that every owner should come away with. Yeah, so just um, in terms of just like value picks, so for me my three favorite are Marquez Callaway, he's looked real good in the preseason, and he's going in, like, the 11th round now. After that last preseason game, I have to pick him, like, in the 10th or the 9th. But he's at least the wide receiver one in New Orleans for six weeks, and I think longer. I'm kind of – I'm pretty nervous about when Michael Thomas will come back. So I like him. TJ Hawkinson, uh, if you miss out on the top three tight ends, I think Hawkinson – could finish above Kittle and be the tight end three, and he's going to get 135-plus targets in that offense because they just cut Perryman. They have really nobody else there. So I think TJ Hawkinson could be, like, the league-winning tight end. And then just another late guy is Jacoby Myers, especially now at Mac Jones. He's playing. He's been playing the slot. He's going to get, I think, just think a bunch of targets, and he, you could pick him probably with your last pick. I think those three guys could give value and be startable, at least startable, like good flex plays or wide receiver threes. In the recent past, it seems like rookies are becoming more and more productive in fantasy, whereas you know years ago it was it was difficult for them to kind of break through. Which rookies, Andy, are you confident in drafting and kind of where are the tiers that you would put them in? Some of my favorites are uh, Justin Fields. You could draft him in like the 12th round. I mean, I did draft last night. He went in the 12th round of a single quarterback league. You might have to sit. Like he's going to sit for a few weeks, but – those guys that rush and run are going to be, like, just league-winning quarterbacks, and that's what we look for. And, like, that late-round guy, Justin Fields has it. He has the rushing ability. So he's one of my favorites. And then Kyle Pitts, and I'm comfortable drafting him in, like, in the fifth round. Sometimes he goes in the fourth. He has to be after Kittle. But, I mean, he's another guy that, like, tight ends the worst position in fantasy as far as depth. We don't have a lot. We have those five guys. And Kyle Pitts, I mean, he's a unicorn. He's a wide receiver at tight end. So I think – Taking him in the fifth round, I've really warmed up to it, and I think he could have like a 1,000-yard season. So those are probably my two favorite. And then just like a late dart throw for PPR is Rondo Moore because he's going to be used all over the place. He's been getting like end of rounds and like uh, short targets in the preseason and feeding him. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald got five targets a game last year. He's gone. So if we can give those short targets to Rondo Moore, I think he can be a little bit of like a PPR monster late in your draft. So those three guys are probably my favorite rookies to target. All right, so I'm from Pennsylvania. You know, my daughter goes to Penn State. So you mentioned tight ends and rookies, and immediately now another Pennsylvania connection for the Steelers, Fryermuth. Was that just preseason type stuff that he was hooking up with Ben, or do you think that's going to continue? I do like him. I just uh, I worry about like him having a lot of fantasy value this year, just because. And they have the three receivers there, and they have uh, Ebron, who's been at least been playing with him. In preseason, so maybe they'll run uh, 
the two tight ends and like the only two receivers and like Juju's off the field and Fryermuth is in the slot. So I don't think you should necessarily like draft him, but I think you should keep an eye on him and he could break out, especially towards the end of the season. Maybe something like Cole Komet last year who eventually got to play and got to uh kind of break out and be like a fantasy option. But I think Fryermuth is really good. I mean, he would be the tight end one in the class if Kyle Pitts wasn't here. So I do uh, think he could give some value towards the end of the season. Amazing hands on that kid. You mentioned Callaway as kind of a late-round guy, Jacoby Myers. How about some more mid-to-late-round guys that are going to outperform their ADP? Yeah, so some of my favorite guys are um, – I'm going back to the well. I, was, I did it last year, and it, it did work out, but uh, – he just got hurt at the end of the season. But I'm going back to Ronald Jones. I think he could be the, the RB1 in Tampa again. He did it last year, then got hurt. And then we obviously, the last thing we saw was Leonard Fournette be like the guy in the playoffs. But if you watch preseason, uh, Ronald Jones has taken all the carries. He played 50% of the snaps uh, in the drives with Brady. And Fournette only played 33. I mean, your pass catching upside is not really going to be there because of Gio Bernard. But I think Ronald Jones has, like, top 15 running back upside. So I like him in, like, the seventh round. Jarvis Landry is another guy that he's always slept on, and he's um, super uh, consistent. Usually finishes as a top 16 wide receiver. You can get him around the seventh or eighth, too. I like him a lot in PPR, especially now that uh, – Odell's back. I actually think that helps him. Uh, he'll have the slot and get open more. And then I have two more. T. Higgins, he's like a six-round guy. I think you should be take him over Jamar Chase. I think that's kind of consensus now. But I think he's a wide receiver and one in, in the Bengals on a team that's going to throw like 700 times. He had a really good rookie season. He liked betting on those second-year wide receivers, especially someone that hit the 900-yard threshold and uh, has been getting like glowing reviews at camp. So I think T. Higgins is – like he's like my smash pick in the sixth round every draft, and then uh, Michael Pittman. Obviously, he got a little bit of a boost now that Ty Hilton's not going to be around. They don't know how long, but they said maybe this season, but at least the first like half. He's a not a player I love. Like I don't think he's a great wide receiver, but it's just volume. He's going to get it. He has a chance to be the wide receiver one, and he's in the mid rounds to around. He was in like the tenth, but now I think he creeped up to the eighth a little bit. And I think uh, Michael Pittman has a chance to break out, and I, I like that pick there just because I think va- uh, his volume he's going to get. You can't really find that anywhere else in the ninth round pick like that. Okay, so the opposite end of the spectrum, it seems like every year you can go back and look at your draft and you've got a first or second round pick and you're just shaking your head. Who are some of those consensus first or second rounders that you're thinking, you know, more likely to bust than the others? Two main ones. I have Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon. I mean, Derrick Henry, if you have the fourth pick in a draft, you're just so tough because you kind of have to take him. After those three running backs don't really know where to go, you kind of have to take Henry unless you want to take a guy like Zeke or something. You kind of have to take him at four. And he had the best running back season last year, 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns. And he was only the running back three in PPR and the running back four in points per game. So he had 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, and still couldn't be the number one running back in fantasy. So if he drops off, which obviously we don't expect him to go for 2K again, and he goes to like, say, much like 1,300 yards, since he doesn't catch the ball, that's like a RB10. You have to take him in the fourth pick. So I think uh, he has a real big chance to bust. And then Joe Mixon, I mean, I just feel like he's on this list every year. Every year he's in the second round or we even push him up to the first round. And it just doesn't happen. And I, I'm someone who's been anti-Joe Mixon. I'm just going to continue like that. I mean, the Bengals offensive line is bad. I think the offense will have to throw a lot. 
he will at least be on the field now since Gio Bernard's gone, but I'm just not trusting him in the early second round. So I think those are my two, the biggest busts. And then I threw in uh, George Kittle. He kind of goes in the third round, sometimes in the second. But I just think with uh, we don't know uh, who's going to be playing quarterback there, if it's Jimmy Garoppolo the whole year, if it's Trey Lance. Uh, IU could take a big step. I think uh, Kittle, like, we have him locked in as, like, one of those three sub tight ends after Kelsey uh, and Waller. And I think uh, there's a chance that with his injury concerns, I think there's a chance that he's finished his little, like, maybe, like, the tight end four or five and, like, Hawkinson jumps him. So I don't like taking him in the second or even, like, the early third. You gave me some bad news, Andy. I mean, last week I did a fantasy (laughs) draft, and I took Mixon in the second round. I mean, I – Decided to roll with it. You delivered the bad news for me. But in that draft, I took Nick Chubb over Derrick Henry with that fourth pick. Do you like that or not so much? Uh, I would have took Henry, but I don't think it's a bad pick just because, I mean, they're pretty similar. They're both guys that aren't going to catch the ball as much. I think Nick Chubb actually will catch more passes than Henry. usually does. And they paid him. So maybe they'll, like, use less Kareem Hunt and more uh, Nick Chubb and, like, passing downs. Because he's shown when they do throw him the ball that he's actually pre- uh, pretty good at catching. I would take Henry just because I think uh, it's just more, like, his touchdown stability and everything is just way more certain, especially with, like, the Tennessee offense getting better. But I don't think it's, like, uh, a massive reach because if you really wanted Nick Chubb, I mean, you weren't going to get him on a comeback. So I don't, I don't think it's terrible, but I, I would have taken Henry there. All right, you're delivering the bad news for me again. I might as well just stash away that, that fantasy draft. I'm, I'm finishing last all of a sudden. Um, and I felt good coming out. How about Matthew Stafford? Where do you stand on him? Are you an advocate of his since he's moved on and now he's with the Rams? Do you think he's destined to, to blow up in that new scheme? I think he'll be good. Um, I think he'll be he has the two good wide receivers there. Uh, they lost uh, Cam Akers, and so that, I guess that means they're going to throw the ball even more. But I think he'll be a good fantasy quarterback. Like I think he'll be a top 10 fantasy quarterback or at least top 12. But he's just not a guy I normally target because I don't like to target guys that don't run because they just don't have the upside to be like that difference-making quarterback in the later rounds. If you look at even like Tom Brady, he threw 40 touchdowns last year and was still like the quarterback eight. So those guys that just don't rush, I'm just not too interested in. But I do think Matt Stafford is, if you want to punt quarterback and pick a quarterback in the 11th round, I think he's definitely serviceable. And I think he could have a good season. And, like, we like any pieces of the Sean McVay offense. So he's much better than Jared Goff, and Jared Goff has delivered a couple top 12 quarterback seasons. Speaking of quarterbacks who like to run, who have that dual threat ability, now let's talk about Daniel Jones, the quarterback number one for the New York Giants. I know you've been a a big proponent of his in the past in terms of fantasy. What do you think of his prospects this year? Yeah, so early in the offseason, I was kind of pushing the Daniel Jones is the 2021 Josh Allen thing. I was like leader of that bandwagon, but I've cooled off. I still think he has the upside, obviously, because of the rushing. The reports out of camp last week were – in the joint practices against the Patriots that he was running more than ever. So, I mean, that's good. We like to hear that. It's just uh, I started to get a little scared of the offense of Jason Garrett doesn't have any pre-snap motion, doesn't have any creativity. Galladay's banged up, who should start the season, but he's banged up with a hamstring. So is Barkley. The offensive line's very bad. They did trade for two pieces. Daniel Jones' breakout is just starting to get more unlikely, but he doesn't go drafted in most leagues. So if you want to take him as, like, a second quarterback after you have a decent quarterback, I think that could work because I think he could break out. But I don't 
I don't think it's safe going in and picking Daniel Jones as your only quarterback anymore. The NFC East is wide open, though, right now. What do you think the Giants' ceiling is? I mean, that defense is going to be good. Uh, the offense is a question mark, especially because that scheme, in my opinion, Jason Garrett is way too conservative, and they need to be better in the red zone. And what do you think is their ceiling for this Giants team? I think uh, like like a like ten and seven. I think they could possibly win the division, but a lot of things kind of have to shake right for them, which is the defense, which obviously last year was a top ten unit. They added some things on defense, so they could get better, but. I think they could make the playoffs. I'm not banking on it. We know uh, Washington has a great defense. They don't really have a quarterback. They're a better team than the Giants overall, I would say, though. And then the Cowboys are coming back. I don't know if the Giants are better than Washington and the Cowboys. So I think if everything breaks right, they could be 10-7, and 7, but I'm kind of I'm not overly, overly optimistic right now. So you've cooled off on Daniel Jones. Give us uh, your favorite sleeper quarterback in this particular fantasy draft. This is my two favorite um, saying in the NFC East is Jalen Hurts. Just because, again, the rushing upside, he's a guy you can get with your last pick, 11th round, and he's like the only guy this year that kind of has that ability to be the like the Lamar Jackson of a couple of years ago that you pick with your last pick and really blows up because the top-tier quarterbacks have kind of just been going higher and higher in drafts now because they actually make a difference. So Jalen Hurts is a guy I think could blow up. I mean, you saw last year when he started at the end of the season, he was a top-10 quarterback, and he was running at a crazy rate. Even if the we don't think the offense is great, I mean, that he should give you 50 yards rushing a game, and that's five extra points right there. So I like Jalen Hurts as a dart throw and uh, Sam Darnold. With all his weapons there, he's looked good in his first preseason game. Terrace Marshall uh, looks good, and that offense with Teddy Bridgewater last year supported three top 25 wide receivers, and I think Sam Darnold's better than Teddy Bridgewater. They get McCaffrey back, and I think uh, Darnold has a little bit of rushing ability too, and upside, I mean, he's only 24, so I like those two guys to be like just late quarterbacks that could have a lot of bring upside too. Stabbing Alex in the heart. Now some Teddy Bridgewater in the <laughs> Oh, man. It's all right. I mean, I'm I'm a big Sam Darnold fan. I, I think he's going to bounce back. And, uh, you know, I, I have the Panthers in the playoffs, so I'm pushing for Sam Darnold. Is Darnold going undrafted in most drafts? Yeah, I did one yesterday, and he's still on the waiver wire. So, yeah, he's going undrafted. So you can wait to pick him up or just grab him at your last pick. A few running back situations that I want to ask about. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested to see who you take from there. Say uh, Miami, New England, uh, the Rams, Baltimore. Who should you be drafting? Well, all those are like ambiguous backfields, and we like targeting those. Most people will want to fade them because of like they're going to use multiple guys and stuff. But for me, I'll start with the with the Dolphins. Miles Gaskin, I think, is still the lead guy there. But in the fifth round, so I'm just uh, gonna avoid him. They used three backs in the preseason. Uh, they said they're going to use three backs. So I'm going to pass on him, and I think like a late pick, if you want to target somebody in the Dolphins' backfield, I think it's Salvin Ahmed because they don't have anything invested in Miles Gaskin. Ahmed has been getting really good reports out of camp being used as like this like scat-back guy that's been running wheel routes and has a good connection with Tua. And if we remember last year, Gaskin kind of just came out of nowhere week one and was the guy. Maybe Ahmed could kind of bring that back, and he's free. So I like him, and then – the Baltimore backfield, Gus Edwards is a the guy there, and he's, like, obviously because of the Dobbins injury, he's 
creeped up boards. He's like a fourth round pick. I can't justify drafting him there. Like he might catch five passes all season. And they said Tyson Williams is the uh, RB2 there, so maybe he's a guy you could take a stab at late or just at least kind of a name you should know because they do seem to always give 10 to 15 touches a game to a second running back. So Tyson Williams seems like to be that guy. I wasn't too certain who he was before last week, but he did win the RB2 job there. And then uh, I'll just like uh, talk about New England. Damian Harris, I think, is the clear guy there. They got rid of Sonny Michelle. Obviously, it's a New England running back, so you should be super nervous because we don't know. Like, Ramondre Stevenson has been killing preseason, but he still ha- – he hasn't t- taken a single snap of the ones all preseason or in camp. Damian Harris is that guy, and he'll get all the early downs work, but he won't catch the ball because James White. But he's my favorite guy out of those because I think Damian Harris is the guy that has, like, the clearest role. And now that Mac Jones is a starter, we don't get vultured at the goal line by Cam Newton. So I think he has, like, 9 to, like, 11 TD upside now because they're going to be a a run-heavy offense. And now he gets actually gets carries at the goal line. So I like Harris. Well, a couple of ex-teammates, wide receivers, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, they seem to be going in opposite directions on fantasy lists. Now, so the question is, one, can Calvin Ridley excel as the number one guy, and what's playing in a run-centric offense with another number one receiver in A.J. Brown going to do to Julio Jones? Where do you have each guy, and what should we think about before we draft either of them? Yeah, I have uh, Calvin Ridley as the wide receiver four overall. I, I think he can definitely excel in the number one role. I, th- I think he's that good. I mean, he's one of the best route runners in football. And we saw last year when Julio was out, he actually averaged uh, – he was even better. He had averaged 98 yards a game without Julio last year. So I think he definitely is a locked and loaded top five guy that even has the potential to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. So I feel really confident about Calvin Ridley. His target volume is going to be insane. He obviously has a connection with Matt Ryan. So I like him. Julio, I have it down at wide receiver 21, which is uh, like a back-end wide receiver two. I'm pretty nervous about him. I mean, just he's already hurt. Uh, he hasn't really practiced much all camp, so he hasn't been getting in reps with Tannehill. A.J. Brown, obviously, is the ascending wide receiver, who is the wide receiver one there still. They're a low-volume passing offense. I mean, they don't throw very much because they have Derrick Henry. So I, I just don't think that offense could support two top-tier wide receivers. And just everything else with Julio, I mean, his age and then changing to a new team, it's just not something I necessarily want to bet on. So I, I find myself passing on Julio almost every draft unless he, like, really falls but he should be in that tier with, like, the Brandon Ayukes, and I would take, like, the younger guys, like the Ayukes, the T. Higgins, guys like that. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, they always seem to be slotted in the same draft spot in fantasy. They always get a lot of targets. You know, they, they catch the ball well. They get open. Who would you take? Who would you trust more? I have them ranked back-to-back. I think they're both really good. And it's, like, such a tough question because, I mean, they're both always so close, but right now, and I've leaned, I've leaned Cooper Cup just because of the, the reports out of training camp. He's looked really good, and I think he has the more touchdown upside. I mean, we saw him be uh, like a red zone weapon actually when he had Jared Goff. So I think uh, I would take Cup just because he should probably catch more passes than Woods, and uh, maybe a little less yards, and he doesn't have the rushing upside that Woods has. He gets a few carries a game. But I think uh, I just like Cup more because I think Cup has the chance to even be like a double touchdown guy, and I can't really see that with Robert Woods. 
let's recap last year a little bit. Who were your fantasy surprises, guys that knocked it out of the ballpark for you, and who were some of the guys that disappointed? Some surprises. I think number one is just uh, James Robinson, obviously coming out of nowhere as undrafted guy uh, after Fournette got cut, and he was a top seven running back, and uh, he was uh, just most people didn't know who he was, and he was probably the biggest, like, league winner last year James Robinson and then uh Robert Tanyan another guy that I was not too familiar with uh, coming into draft season last year he had that connection with Aaron Rodgers 11 touchdowns and at tight end like a wasteland so getting a guy like him to be able to be that top six tight end that was one of my biggest surprises and probably my biggest letdown was DJ Chark a guy I thought could have like that big breakout season that big third year breakout it didn't just ha- it didn't happen. It wasn't necessarily uh, his fault. He did have some good games, but he just had that that turnstile quarterback with Jake Luton and Gardner Minshew and all those guys. So that was probably he was probably my biggest letdown, or probably like my biggest miss because he was one of my biggest targets last year. DJ Chart. Do you think he's going to be one of those letdowns this year again? Because it seems like Trevor Lawrence has more of a connection with uh, Lavisca Chenault. He seems to have a connection with Jones. Uh, do you think Chark is he's not going to be the number one weapon in that passing game? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, he, he's fallen a lot in drafts, but I just haven't taken him. I've gotten a lot lower on him. I think him and Marvin Jones are pretty similar as to, like, what their skill set is. And they went and they paid Jones. And we heard Urban Meyer kind of all offseason just talking bad on DJ Chark. You know, he said that he played weak. He needs to put on weight. And now he's hurt. He should play week one, but he had to get finger surgery. So I'm pretty nervous about Chark. I think uh, Marvin Jones and then Chanel are the kind of the two guys. That, I, I still love DJ Chark's talent. I think he's a really good wide receiver, but I just don't think uh, Urban Meyer is. It's just like it's not an Urban Meyer guy. So he probably won't. They, that's what happens when you get new coaches in there and stuff. And maybe DJ Chark's on a new team next year and he could be better there. You've given us a ton of information here, Andy, and a lot of great tips. I'm walking into my draft on Saturday. Give me one last piece of advice to follow. I want to win it this year. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know if it's like the crazy uh, world-breaking advice, but to me it's just be active. Just all year, just continue to be active. So even if you start uh, 0-3 or 1-4, just continue to just keep being active because don't give up. You could go as easy as you lost three in a row. You could win three in a row, and you could end up in the championship. So that's kind of just uh, my like biggest advice. Like, just don't give up. Don't give up in the midseason and think, oh, it's over, because you could easily rip off four in a row and, and win the championship. So just continue to be active on waivers, be active in sending trades, and just and, and just don't give up, I guess. Well, you're extremely knowledgeable in, in fantasy football, but you're a, a big football junkie in general. Who do you think will win the Super Bowl this year and why? Well, I would give the boring answer, I'd say the Chiefs, but I'll just go with the Packers just because, um, you know, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, the last dance thing, him and Devontae Adams, seems like they'll both be gone next year. Obviously, we had the crazy Aaron Rodgers offseason this year, not knowing if he'll play, if he'll be a Bronco, if he'll be traded. So I think he's going to uh, come out on fire again, and maybe LaFleur, like, doesn't kick a field goal in a playoff game instead of letting him score. So I, I think the Packers have a chance to win it, and I don't want to be boring and pick the Chiefs, so I'll go with Green Bay. Nothing wrong with boring, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, Lou is a big Chiefs fan, so he was he was let down by that answer. I'm sorry about that. 
All right, let's find out where um, our listeners can find you on the social networks, where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, tell us who you write for, and you've got another podcast, as, as far as I know, so do your plugs. You can find me on Twitter, at Andy underscore Buckler, that's B-U-C-K-L-E-R. I write uh, Dynasty and Fantasy Football content for Dynasty Nerds, and uh, I do have a podcast, a fantasy football podcast called Path to Production, P2P. So we'll be posting every week during the season, giving like uh, start sits and just uh, who you should pick up from the waiver wire and stuff like that. But again, uh, on Twitter at Andy underscore Buckler. I'm really out there. I'm always responding and tweeting stuff on there. Andy, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. Let's go to our predictions. Alex, what do you got for us, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's the NFL preview uh, right before the season starts. We're going to make these predictions for each division. We're going to you know, pick those teams for the, the conference championship games and then obviously the, the Super Bowl pick along with some awards. Uh, let's go, like, division by division, Lou. I mean, you can start. Let's start with the NFC and, and work our way down, and then we'll get to the AFC as well. Okay, so the NFC North, I've got the Green Bay Packers winning it. I've also got the Green Bay Packers winning it. It's it's the last dance. You know, Aaron Rodgers coming back, and there's something to that. So there's no surprise here. I, I can't go with the other three teams in the NFC North. I think this is the Packers' inner runaway. In the NFC West, I've got a surprise, Lou. I, I can't go with the Los Angeles Rams. I just can't do it. I think Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay are going to disappoint a lot of folks. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury here. I think Kyler Murray is is ready to take off, and I think that offense is going to carry the day. I also like their linebackers out there. I think Chandler Jones applying pressure and coming back, and they've got Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be a, a lot better on defense than people are giving credit for. Yeah, I think I'm going to put them fourth in that division. San Francisco, I think, this is the year they're going to stay healthy. And if they do, regardless of the quarterback position, whoever is playing, I think they're going to be really solid this year. I foreshadowing a little bit, I have them going very far in the playoffs. So I'm going with the 49ers just because health, I'm going to say they're not going to have all those those injuries again. And the quarterback position is going to be strong regardless of which way they go. The receivers are growing in that system. Debo, Ayuk, uh, the running game is going to be stellar regardless of who they have back there, Sermon, Mostert, whoever they're giving the ball to. And if the offensive line stays healthy like everybody else, I think they've got this division and then well beyond. You know how that makes me feel, right, Lou? I mean, the, the fact that you're talking about the Niners. That you're really happy or I'm jinxing them? No, I'm really happy. I'm not like you. I don't believe in jinxes out there. I'm just really happy that you've got the 49ers and, uh, you know, you have them winning this division. I don't. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, yes. Yeah, you are drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm I'm glad on that. How about the NFC East? Uh, Who do you have there? The football team, sir. The football team. Come on. The best defense arguably in the NFL. They certainly have the best uh, defense in the division. Philadelphia, they're going to have to show me before I I believe they've got anything going on. The Giants still, offensive line issues, 
Daniel Jones, you don't know what you're going to get. Saquon's not quite ready to go. Galladay, of course, is hobbled again. So I'm not feeling them. And Dallas, again, it's all going to be on Dak and that defense, and I just don't trust their defense. So I'm going to go with the kind of like the boring pick here. Run the ball, play defense, make some plays, Fitzmagic, Washington football team. Has Ryan Fitzpatrick ever led a team to the playoffs? This year, baby, this is it. He's going to do it. Come on, Alex. For some reason, everybody is drinking the Kool-Aid on Washington, and this isn't the first time, Lou. I mean, Ed Hunt is drinking the Kool-Aid. Brandon Boland, who also fills in as a host for Blitzcast, he also likes Washington. I don't get it. I mean, they have a good defensive line, but that doesn't mean it makes them a great defense all of a sudden. That secondary is still suspect, in my opinion. And, again, I don't see it. I'm going with the Cowboys. The best offense, you know, a good offensive line. Dak is coming back. I think they have a chip on their shoulder. Mike McCarthy is basically fighting for his job. That defense can't be any worse. I mean, they changed defensive coordinators. They drafted Micah Parsons. I think they'll be better. I think the Cowboys are going to take this division. I'm not saying they're going to run away with it. This is Dallas' division to to, to walk away with in 2021. NFC South, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think Tom Brady is going to do it, uh, win that division. That offense, that defense, man, I mean, this team is scary. If they stay healthy, this team is going to go deep into the playoffs once again. What about you? Well, yeah, I mean, they've got everybody back. There's no reason to suspect that they're going to regress. The The division certainly has. You know, you don't have Drew Brees in there anymore, and that actually might be a good thing for New Orleans. But now they're, I guess they're playing their first game in Jacksonville Stadium. Hurricane issues, it seems like every year. You just got to feel bad for them. But uh, Carolina, I think, will be much better. Uh, Atlanta, not that they were anywhere much better, but they're you know, mediocre at best. So it's certainly Tampa Bay's division to win. Brady's just going to be better with those receivers. The running game should be better as well. Not that they're going to rely on it a lot, but you know, during the regular season, I think you'll see them run it more than the playoffs. You'll probably see Brady want you know the ball in his hands a little bit more, which you know is good for them. I mean, he's you know he's their guy. So I'm going to stick with you there with Tampa Bay. How about wild cards? I'm thinking first wild card, I'm going to go with Seattle. Russell Wilson has got things squared away with his, with his situation, at least for this year. I don't know how much better their offensive line is, but it should be improved. Gabe Jackson they bring in. Hopefully Dwayne Brown gets his situation settled. If Chris Carson is healthy, they've got the running game. You've got basically two number one receivers with DK and Tyler Lockett. I really like the kid, the rookie, Dwayne Eskridge. I think you'll see his, his role start to expand as the, as the year goes on. So, yeah, I like Seattle for that first spot. You know how much I love Russell Wilson, but I don't think Seattle is going to make the playoffs this year. I just don't think their defense is good enough. And the offense is not going to be able to carry the day, especially in that the toughest division in football. In my opinion, the NFC West is just, it's so competitive. So I'm going to go with another NFC West team. I'm going to go with my San Francisco 49ers. Even though I didn't pick them to win the division, I picked the dark horse, the Arizona Cardinals, who are most likely the fourth team in that division for most folks. But for me, they're number one. 
I'm going with the 49ers as the wild card team. Like everything you said, everybody coming back. I think Bosa is finally going to explode this year, and uh, the running game is going to be dangerous. They have the wide receivers. Jimmy G just needs to you know, spread the ball around, and if we have you know Jimmy G on the field, we keep Lance on the bench, and uh, we'd be better for it. So San Francisco is going to be in the playoffs this year. I got the Rams, you know, best division in football. Three teams are going to make it. Uh, I think Stafford is going to make a huge difference. I don't know that the defense is going to be as good as it was last year. You know, they they lose uh, Hill and Johnson in the backfield, but they'll still be a very good defense. Obviously, you've got Aaron Donald there. And again, like you said, it is a very difficult division, but I think uh, they're just primed for this. They're going for broke. Now, they're not going to get broke, but they're going to make the playoffs at that position. I also have the Los Angeles Rams, by the way. Um, so I've got three teams making it out of the NFC West, and you do as well. Just a, so the just a different order yeah, and a different team. Arizona, that's throwing me. It really is. It had to be different. I'm going to throw a wild card team out here. Uh, somebody I've been hyping up. Yes, these are, these are the wild cards, Alex. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid with Sam Darnold. I think that offense is going to be explosive. He'll finally break out, something that he wasn't able to do with the New York Jets. Finally broke away from New York and Adam Gase. I think him in that offense and with those weapons and with Christian McCaffrey back, I think they're going to be doing just you know some good things and Carolina, again, is not a popular pick for the playoffs, but I'm sticking with them here. First week of the season, fans, listeners, get down right now. Get on the Panthers in the first game of the year against the Jets. They are going to absolutely roll them. Get the number now before it gets too high, so leave that as it is. I'm going to put America's team in there. They're going to get the seventh spot. Yes, they do have the best offense in that division, and it arguably could be top two in the division. Green Bay, Tampa Bay, if Dak is right and everybody stays healthy, they're going to score a ton of points. I just still not comfortable with that defense, so I'm going to put them in at the last spot. All right, let's go with the AFC. Let's start with the AFC West, your division, Lou. Yes. Well, I don't have to say anything here, do I? Well, you do. <laughs> yes. Okay, my heart, my head, everything about this screams that she, they've won it five years in a row. Uh, there's going to be a team that I mentioned later that might give them a, a little bit of a nudge, a little bit of a push, but at the end of the day, they're just too good all the way across the board, and it all depends on the offensive line. And From what I've seen so far, these guys, they attack this offensive line. I mean, Veach was embarrassed, right? I mean, right after the Super Bowl, I'm sure he was thinking on the ride home, or just on the elevator down from the press box, we got to fix this. And I think they really have. A lot of depth, got a much better talent level there. Some young guys, you know, granted center, right guard, right tackle starters are all first-year guys. Uh, So we'll see how that goes, but I can't go against them. Come on. Yeah, the Chiefs will win this division. I'm not going to get cute here. I I wanted to because I also think it's a competitive division with some of those other teams like Denver and the the Chargers, but I I can't. Kansas City will run away with this division. AFC East, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. 
I just think this is one of the best teams in football, period. They took a huge step forward last year on offense with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Their defense is always good. Buffalo takes this division. Yeah, a lot of chalk here. I mean, you can't go against the Bills in this case. I mean, unless you're really, really sold on Mac Jones, but rookie quarterbacks rarely win their division the first year, and I'm not feeling Tua at this point either. And Josh Allen, I mean, come on. I mean, he's an MVP candidate uh, moving forward every year. Uh, They added Emmanuel Sanders to an already deep wide receiver core. The running backs, again, they, they really, I don't know if they're really sold on either guy, Singletary or Moss at this point, but they're both, you know, very good players, and we're, we're, whichever way they go, both guys are going to get time. So I don't think I'm worried too much about that. And, you know, they didn't play too well in the AFC Championship last year, but I think coming back, another year experience, you got to be there at least once before I think you can go back and really win it again. But, yeah, I'm going to stick with Buffalo. Let's do the North. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, they, they took That's a about the step. fifth Kool-Aid reference now, Alex. Let's go to something else. How about vodka? All right. I, I was trying to keep a PG here, you know. You know, I have a Sprite here, so I'm drinking a Sprite. Well, I'm going to go with Cleveland. I think they took a huge step forward last year with Kevin Stefanski. When you look at their roster, this is one of the most complete teams altogether. Baker is still the question mark. But even he can't screw this up. So I'm going to go with the Browns here. This is going to be the most boring segment we do all year, I think, because, yeah, I've got Cleveland here. These are the, arguably the three best teams in the in the AFC, and maybe not an argument at all, and they arguably the three best rosters in the NFL. Now, Tampa Bay's up there. I think you'd have to put them up there as well. San Francisco might be close, but, I mean, these really are. You're going to see a lot of the cuts from these teams being picked up by other teams because competition is so fierce. But, yeah, the Browns are right there. I mean, Baltimore, you still have to be leery of. Not really feeling Pittsburgh quite yet. Got to see what happens with that offensive line. But if you're asking me today, I'm not going to bet on that offensive line. So, yeah, absolutely, the Brownies here in the South. You know, you've got Tennessee, you've got Indianapolis. Tennessee, a little bit more experienced, settled at quarterback, best running back in the league, arguably the best uh, receiving tandem in the league. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Titans here. So, again, very boring, pretty much what happened last year. So, there you have it. I'm going to go with Indianapolis. I've been on them even before, like in the off season. I'm being stubborn. I realize that everything that's been going on with the Colts here recently tells me that I should pick a different winner and I should go with the Titans. Wentz, I mean, has been out with an injury. Now he's dealing with COVID. There's still question marks whether he's going to be back or not. T.Y. Hilton is injured. You know, Quentin Nelson went through surgery, right? You don't know what you're going to get. But that defense is going to be good. They're going to carry the day. And I believe in these Hollywood endings. I think Carson Wentz will... Once again, rediscover himself here in Indianapolis, and that's the reason why I'm taking the Colts over the Titans. All right, very good. Wild card. Let's go to the wild card. Yeah, go. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. I think Teddy B is going to get it done. I think that roster is loaded, and that defense will carry the day. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Again, the theme, defense, defense, and defense. Two-way can't screw this up. 
And they got a big-time playmaker in Jalen Waddell, who I think will remind people of Tyreek Hill because he can take the top off the defense and can do some things after the catch. And I think he's going to be a huge asset in the return game for the Dolphins. And my last team is the Baltimore Ravens. Just too much of a complete team. I think Lamar Jackson, even losing J.K. Dobbins, I think this team is very experienced with their coaching staff, with you know everything that they have on the roster, that defense. So Denver, Miami, and Baltimore. How about you? Here's where it gets interesting. We do agree. I have Baltimore, but I'm going to put them in the fifth spot. In the sixth spot, I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think Herbert's going to have another great season. I think he's going to grow. Bosa stays healthy, and Derwin James will knock on wood that, again, they stay healthy, and Staley does what he does with their defense, what he did in Los Angeles. Again, that's the prediction. We'll, hopefully that works out for me, but uh, I'm going to put the Chargers there. And then finally, again, throwing a little curveball here, I'm going to go with the Patriots. Yes, I think defensively, they were able to win seven games last year with that team. And Cam Newton, a substandard starting quarterback as far as throwing the ball and being just situationally aware. So Mac's going to do that. I, I got to believe they win at least 10 games. Uh, if they were able to win seven last year, the defense is going to be even better. So I'm going to put them in that seventh spot. I like it. We're being a little different. I like the Chargers pick, and I think they're going to be a sexy pick for a lot of people. And Herbert, they are every spend. year, and that, that's that's why I kind of hesitated in the fact that it's the AFC West. And yeah, I mean, I had a really hard time picking against Indy and Miami. I like both those teams, but at the end of the day, uh, this is the way I went. And Coach Bill Belichick gets back into the playoffs and then puts those silences, those critics a bit. Who do you have in the AFC um, Conference Championship? Well, again, it's going to be boring, and it's going to be a rematch of last year, and I think it's going to be a GEHA stadium at Arrowhead Field or whatever it's called now. But I think uh, Chiefs beat Buffalo again. Uh, might be a little bit closer this year, but uh, that's where I'm going. I'm not going to have the Chiefs here. Lou, I'm going to be a little bit different. You've been saying that for a few weeks now, Alex, so no surprise there. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns versus the Buffalo Bills, and I'm taking Cleveland to get to the Super Bowl. Can you imagine that? No. Cleveland <laughs> in the Super Bowl? I mean, th those things don't go together. I'm going with it. I'm rolling with Hell it. Hell freezes over, Cleveland freezes <laughs> to the Super Bowl. Okay. With Baker Mayfield, that quarterback. Yeah, so you got the trifecta there, my friend. I've got San Francisco in the Super Bowl. So whoever gets to the NFC Championship game against them, even though they'll be the three seed, I guess it would be Tampa then, right? Okay, San Francisco over Tampa in the championship game. And then, the, obviously, the rematch of the two Super Bowls back and the same result. So there you have it. All right, I like it. I like it that San Francisco makes it out here. I don't like the fact that we're losing this one again. D Ford so. lines up offside in the Super Bowl, and they, they end up losing because of it. I'm going to go with the Bucks versus the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to be a little bit Sweet. different. Like I'm, I'm not going with Green Bay. I'm not going with the Rams or the 49ers. No, I'm going with Carolina. You know, Sam Darnold just completely proves his naysayer is wrong, and no, I'm not picking the Panthers to make it to the Super Bowl. I think Tampa Bay gets back to the Super Bowl, so it will be the Browns versus the Bucks, 
And you know what? This madness continues. Lou, I'm picking the Browns to win their Super Bowl. All right. Cleveland is going to do it this year. i got to pick them. They're the most complete team in the NFL as far as talent level goes. Can they get it all together? Can they make it happen? I mean, Baker showed me some good things in that third preseason game. That He's a lot more comfortable with the scheme, with the offense. I think him and Stefanski are going to get it done. All right, very good. You heard it here first, folks. The Browns, again, hell freezes over. Browns get to a Super Bowl and actually win it with Baker Mayfield starting. All right. Now who's drinking the Kool-Aid? What was that, number six? Postseason awards. We've got MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I'll get us started with the MVP. We talked about him earlier. I won't do it going to start to be a bias against number 15. I, I can feel it already, but I think Josh Allen's going to be the MVP this year. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are going to win a lot of games. It's a regular season award. I think Patrick Mahomes wins the MVP this year. All right. Offensive player of the year. Go ahead. Who you got? Then I'll go. I've got Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to get a lot of targets, and I'm picking the Carolina Panthers to make it to the playoffs and to get to the NFC Championship game. i got to go with him. You know, I'm talking about Sam Darnold, but McCaffrey is going to be the guy carrying the day for Carolina. I've got to go with Christian McCaffrey. He'll also win Comeback Player of the Year as well. Well, you certainly switched the vodka with the Cleveland and Arizona picks. I'll have to give you that. I guess typically Offensive Player of the Year, we, I mean, it, it seems like the MVP has almost become a quarterback award, so it's kind of like you got to vote for somebody else or a different position. So I'm going to go with Alvin Kamara. He is going to be the Saints' offense, at least for the beginning part of the year. And again, if he stays healthy, maybe his workload diminishes a bit as the year goes on, but not enough to really tail off at all. Now, I don't, you know, again, I don't have them in the playoffs. They're going to win some games, but I just think this is his year. I mean, he kind of busted out again last year. Can we ask him to do it again? Absolutely. He's got to do it. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with my guy going back to his draft days, and the guy that uh, I guess it's his award to lose every year is Aaron Donald. Boring pick, but uh, I love him, always loved him. I'm going to give him the award. I'm going to go with the guy that I think will emerge as the guy that will challenge Aaron Donald for the next few years. And I think he'll walk away with the award this year. Even though I didn't pick Washington to make it to the playoffs, I think Chase Young is going to become a monster this year. He showed flashes of it, but I think he becomes a more dependable player. I think he's going to get a ton of sacks. That defensive line is loaded, so I'm going with Chase Young here. How about Offensive Rookie of the Year? Surprise me here. I don't know that's going to be a surprise. I think probably the guy that's going to get the most workload, quarterbacks, I'm not real sure on any of them really having that great of a year, decent year, but I think Najee Harris is going to be the guy that, again, is going to get so much of a workload rushing and receiving that he gets the award. I'm going to go with Najee Harris, Pittsburgh. I want to go with Kyle Pitts. I really do because I think he's going to be an exciting player, especially in the red zone. He's going to get a lot of targets there, and you know that Arthur Smith is going to feature him. I also like Jalen Waddell's potential to take the top off the defense, be that return specialist, to take a slant for an 80-yard touchdown. 
But I am going to go with the quarterback, and I'm going to take Zach Wilson. I think the Jets are going to be more improved than the Jaguars, and they're going to win more games, and that's why I'm taking Wilson here. He's going to run away with this award as far as I'm concerned. All right, so Defensive Rookie of the Year, I'm on the island on this one. I'm going to go with Patrick Sertan. Patrick Sertan II, playing in that Vic Fangio-style defense, he's going to get a lot of opportunities, especially playing in the AFC West. Some big-time receivers that he's going to have to cover, and I think talent-wise, you know, you can't go wrong with a Nick Saban defensive back, corners especially. I'm going with Pat Sertan II. I'm going to go with the Cowboys linebacker, Michael Parsons, just because he's so versatile. They're going to know what to do with him. Dan Quinn is going to unleash him. You know, you can get a lot of sacks out there because I think they're going to blitz him quite a bit. Plus, he's got that 4-4 speed. He's going to get a lot of tackles. You know, he'll feel more comfortable, I think, of pass coverage as the season goes along. Just the versatility, and I think that award will go to a linebacker once again this year. All right, very good. Duval! Coming up, we've got Jags report beat writer John Shipley. All right, so never a dull moment in Duval County. John Shipley, how you doing? Hey, doing great. How you guys doing? A lot of stuff going on this week. Obviously, it was cut down day. From your perspective, John, were there any surprise cuts and who were the surprise keepers? Yeah, I mean, there were a few surprise cuts. I would say Jared Wilson, uh, you know, guy started at free safety for the last two seasons is probably the biggest surprise cut just because it seemed like he had built some win momentum the last couple of weeks. You know, he was playing well on defense in preseason. He was standing out in special teams. And I, I just think it was his starting experience and his reputation as a leader, you know, in the locker room that he was a the guy they would uh, keep around. They opted to keep two young safeties uh, instead, and Daniel Thomas and Andrew Wingard. And then uh, just keeping five receivers uh, in general was a surprise to me. They, they obviously – have changed that by claiming, uh, you know, Tyron Johnson. But it wasn't particularly surprising to me to see Colin Johnson was waived. You know, I had him off my final 53-man roster prediction. He's since been claimed by the New York Giants. I think he's a talented receiver who I would have kept. But he had a poor preseason and just he didn't have the kind of speed they were looking for on the outside. Urban Meyer just can't stay out of the news. I mean, he always seems to, to be in hot water out there, John. And his comment on vaccination status being a factor in roster cuts, NFLPA has opened up an investigation. Could you give us the latest news? I mean, what's going on with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Jaguars released a statement today saying they didn't release any players based on vaccination status. And I was there when Meyer made the comment, and it came off. A lot more as you know it was a part of the conversation but it wasn't a sole deciding factor for anybody and what i would point to is you know a lot of the jaguars best players are unvaccinated i mean tyron johnson i you know from my knowledge they're you know one of the bottom teams in terms of vaccination rates so i think he probably just said what every other coach in the game was thinking it's just you know had become taboo to think it but not say it so you've had a full off season now of this Urban Meyer experience. What are your takeaways, say, from spring to now? Yeah, no, my, my takeaways are that, you know, there's definitely areas that he's going to have to really face a lot of transition. I think just the concept of the preseason alone was a lot for him. I mean, you know, he walked off the field, you know, against the Saints and came out the next day. 
and talk to the media. And he seemed like, you know, somebody who, you know, a kid who's somebody that's stolen their dog, you know, and it was a preseason game. And concepts like that, you know, concepts that aren't really in college at the NFL level. And then concepts like, you know, now that, you know, you release guy as well. You know, yesterday he mentioned how many guys they released that they want to potentially bring back. He mentioned Colin Johnson as a part of that. Well, you know, in the NFL, when these guys aren't rested vet or vested veterans, they're eligible to be claimed by other teams. It's a much less expansive roster. So those has been my big takeaways, but I've also been, you know, impressed by, you know, contrary to some reports, I've been impressed by his, uh, his really handle of, you know, the locker room and how he's really gained the respect of the players. Uh, the, the things I've heard from inside the locker room have been largely positive on him. So those has been my main takeaways. How's his demeanor changed or has it since the initial press conference when he was announced? Obviously, you know, that first press conference, you know, he, he had, you know, some extremely high energy. You know, it was the first time I've been a head coach in, you know, several years. I can't imagine it be many days more exciting than, you know, that first day in the introductory press conference. But uh, his intensity and his uh, candidness hasn't changed. Big contrast with him and Doug Marone. And Doug Marone, who I really enjoyed covering and who I think is actually a really good guy. Uh, Doug Marone wasn't always, you know, the most uh, upfront guy with his comments. You know, he would give you a lot of coach speak and a lot of answers that didn't mean anything at all. Whereas Urban, you know, as yesterday showed, he has sometimes been truthful to a fault, you know, whether it's, you know, saying things that are on his mind or evaluation of the roster. So those have been some things I've noticed. The offense from afar seemed very vanilla during the summer league, preseason, whatever, and and, and usually is, but you've got a new team. You've got Daryl Bevel's pro style and urban spread, kind of a, a mashup. How is that going? I mean, there have been definitely some growing pains. I'm, I, I think you saw through the first two games especially, the Jaguars really struggling to kind of put together an identity, especially in terms of their passing game. But I would say – in the third game against Dallas, you know, obviously you have to factor in they were playing against mostly backups. So the Jaguars were also playing with mostly backups on offense. I, I think there is the first time that you saw an actually coherent plan on offense. You know, a lot of stuff to get Lawrence out the pocket, a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action. You know, a lot of stuff that looked like what Lawrence did at Clemson. So it, that much more looked like, you know, coherent and, you know, put together offense. Because those first two weeks, it looked like, you know, a couple of different offenses trying to work together as one but moving in two many different directions. Any chance he Urban takes a bigger role with the offense once the, the bullets start flying when the games count? I don't expect him to. I, I would expect Eric Bevel to be, you know, the, the full-time play caller throughout the entire season. And, I mean, Urban already has a pretty big role with the offense. I mean, he got out of practice, and he spends his time, you know, going throughout every position, but especially, you know, with the offense. You know, he pays close, close attention to the offense. So I wouldn't imagine so. I would still imagine it to be, you know, kind of a cohesive uh, plan with Daryl Bevel calling the plays. Is he really hands-on with the wide receivers? He's a former wide receiver coach. So does he uh, pay attention to that group uh, particularly during training camp? 100%. Uh, before DJ Chark was injured in the practices leading up to it, before every practice, Urban would work with Chark uh, together one-on-one -on, -one on the field before everybody else came out, you know, working on releases and beating press coverage and things like that. So you can definitely see the former receiver coach and also the special teams background uh, when he's on the practice field. How do you think the Travis Etienne injury affects this offense as a whole? Do you expect them to lean on James Robinson like they did last year, or will we see a lot of Carlos Hyde? I don't think you're going to see any more Carlos Hyde than you probably were going to. He was 
he was already playing in the preseason as their number two back and getting snaps over ETM. What I think will change is having, you know, the specific design plays in the offense, creating big chunk plays in space because, you know, they don't really have any other player on the roster like him. You know, they kept Tavon often, obviously, on the active roster, but, you know, he, he's a far cry from, you know, the dynamic playmaker that Travis ETM is. So I think it means you're going to see a lot more James Robinson, especially on passing downs. But ultimately, I, I don't think it changes Carlos Hyde's role much just more so takes away an element of the Jaguars offense that they were planning on using pretty extensively. Are you worried about the offensive line right now, John, especially those starting tackles? I mean, during preseason, they struggled quite a bit. I mean, I think the big worry would be the fact that none, none of the starting offensive line really played the, the preseason. Uh, Juwan Taylor, uh, right tackle, started all three games. But then you had Cam Robinson played one game at left tackle. Andrew Norwell didn't play any. Brandon Linder played one game, and – AJ can't play one game, you know. So they, they had most of the offensive line out for the preseason, and it's still to be determined when they're going to get, you know, those four guys back. So I think the bigger concern would be just having availability right now. Who are some of the guys, you know, maybe not so well-known that are going to be impact players for this team? I'm now having watched the preseason, OTAs, everything that you've kind of gone through. Who's going to step up? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think James O'Shaughnessy on offense, I think he's going to be a guy at tight end that they target often. You know, they don't really have a, a deep tight end room or many pass-catching options out of position. Chris Manhurst and Luke Farrell are solid players, but they're more, you know, possession receivers and blockers at the position. Whereas O'Shaughnessy, you know, he's that true athletic pass-catching tight end who you can split out and, you know, kind of use in different ways. On defense, it would be Damian Wilson. Former uh, starter for the Kansas City Chiefs, a middle linebacker. He's been the Jags starting middle linebacker since they graded uh, Joe Schobert. You know, they signed him in March. Uh, you know, not a lot of people really made much of the signing, but he's still not be, you know, one of their most important players on defense. So he's going to play a major, major role this year. Is that the reason why they traded Schobert? Because he was expendable? Because the other guys have stepped up? Yeah, no. Really, the, the defense that they've shown is when they get into obvious passing situations, they're taking a linebacker off the field and bringing a third safety on. So what they've kind of emphasized as a middle linebacker is kind of downhill run defending ability. And for Schobert, he was just the opposite, you know, as opposed to Wilson. Schobert's a rangy player who excels in coverage, you know, a lot like Miles Jack, while Damian Wilson is more of that thumping downhill linebacker. So it was more that they were looking for something different at the middle linebacker position. I think we were a bit confused. You know, you you draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall. I mean, you assume that he's going to be the starting guy in week one, but Urban Meyer played this mystery card. I mean, he waited so long to name Trevor Lawrence his starting quarterback. Was there actually a quarterback competition between Lawrence and Minshew and possibly even C.J. Beathard? It's hard to say if it was a true competition just because Minshew – even, you know, first-team reps every other day in practice. That that was a definite thing, what they did. You know, Lawrence often was with the second-team offense. But when it came to the actual, you know, reps in terms of preseason, stuff like that, Lawrence always got extensive time with the starters. And once Mitch Chu came in, the starting offense kind of went out. And there was never really any question internally which one of those two was going to start week one. So it was a competition in the sense that they were splitting reps and Urban Meyer wasn't naming a starter. But there wasn't really any doubt that Lawrence was going to start week one. And as for the reason that Urban did it, you know, I've been asked that countless times, you know, on, on shows by people I know. I don't have this honest answer with you other than, you know, he just – it was a mindset that he wants 
Lawrence, you know, to compete for a spot, you know, his spot on the roster with the rest of the team to show them that even the number one overall pick has to earn a spot, even if, you know, it's more of a charade than anything else. We know that Gardner Minshew has been a starter in this league. We remember his rookie season. Why do you think the Jags decided to trade him to the Eagles? Why did they pull the trigger? I think because they saw more from C.J. Beathard in the preseason. I truly do think the Jaguars were okay with entering the season as Gard- with Gardner Minshew as, you know, number two quarterback. But throughout the course of the preseason, as training camp progressed, you know, Minshew was kind of playing, you know, worse and worse and regressing in a lot of ways. Well, Beathard was playing better and better. And I think the Jaguars, you know, they just look at it as a fact that, you know, we can get a six-round pick for a guy who may be our third-best quarterback. And I think that's how they saw it, and I think that's why they made the move. So Beathard has outplayed Minshew in your eyes during training camp? Throughout the first half of training camp, not so much. But once the preseason started, I don't really think it was much of a contest. How has Trevor grown to this point? First taste in the NFL, OTAs, preseason. What have you noticed? One thing I've noticed is that he's really advanced in a lot of areas. You know, just the fact that, you know, all of his handoffs look the same. You know, his play actions are always crisp. His cadence and command to huddle, you know, his ability to throw with anticipation, his movement in the pocket. He does a lot of things to me that just don't make him look like a rookie quarterback. And that sometimes I, I believe you have to kind of remind yourself that he is a rookie who, you know, hasn't even officially made his NFL debut. Because just a lot of the things that he does, in, in my opinion, are, you know, things that you would expect out of a veteran quarterback. You know, they're Philip Rivers-esque. Now, as far as the wide receivers go, who do you think he has the best rapport with at this point? I would say Marvin Jones. You know, DJ Chark's uh, been out for, you know, most of training camp. And, you know, they were having solid chemistry throughout the training camp when Chark was healthy. But to this point, it'd be Marvin Jones. You know, Jones has been uh, – he was a target hog in the first two preseason games with Lawrence, and he's got a Lawrence of security blanket at this point. Marvin Jones, you got Chenault, who's going to get a lot of touches just because now ETN is out. Chark is injured. Is Tavon Austin going to be that number three guy that they're going to use in the slot, that they're going to use in the backfield? I saw them getting creative with him during the preseason. I think what he's going to do is he's going to fill that role in the passing game that they wanted Travis Etienne to fill. You know, he's not going to fulfill the same exact thing because Etienne was a legitimate first-round prospect as a running back, and, you know, obviously Austin can't do that. But I think a lot of those screens, a lot of that movement, a lot of the jet action stuff, I think that's more so what you're going to see from Tavon Austin as opposed to being a full-time part of the offense. It was amazing. I mean, I haven't seen Tavon Austin. I didn't even know he was still in the league, you know, but he showed some life during the preseason. He signed with them, I believe, a day before their padded scrimmage, you know, from all the fans in the stadium. And in his first two practices, he caught five touchdowns. I I swear that he was catching touchdowns before he knew any of his teammates' names. To me, he's one of the best stories on the team, you know, just coming in in the middle of training camp and instantly, you know, producing and earning a spot on the roster. I I think stories like that are awesome. We have to ask you about C.J. Henderson, the the talented rookie last year. Before he went down with an injury, he looked like one of the most promising young players that the Jaguars had, a former first-round pick, a top-ten pick, But it seems like he's in the doghouse. Everything that I'm reading, John, I mean, I heard even some possible trade rumors during training camp. What's going on? And I believe right now he's not even listed as the starting cornerback, correct? No, he he is the starting cornerback opposite of Shaquille Griffin. 
Yeah, no, that, that was a big reason that Sidney Jones was traded was because uh, C.J. Henderson had won that job. You know, he missed the first, I believe, eight practices of a training camp due to being on the COVID-19 list. And once he came back, you know, he was put with the third and second team defenses, you know, kind of forced to earn his role. But, he, you know, in the first preseason game, he was forced to go in there because of an injury to Trey Herndon. You know, I believe uh, he was targeted four times and allowed two catches for nine yards or two pass breakups. Second preseason game played well. Third preseason game, again, played well. I think he's locked in as a starter opposite Shaquille Griffin. And I've, you know, been saying this since those rumors came out. I've never been of the belief that the Jaguars' ideal scenario is to trade T.J. Henderson. I think it was, you know, maybe look at it as a potential, you know, so, solution to what at, at the time was, you know, kind of an unpredictable situation. I think at this point they need T.J. Henderson, and I, I'm not sure there's an offer that can be made, you know, outside of something outlandish that would really benefit them more than having C.J. Henderson on the roster right now. He, in my opinion, is the best defensive back. We're not going to ask you to give away too much. But what are you looking at for your next piece or article? What storyline are you looking for? I'm going to be talking to some people, you know, who have kind of coached Walker a little, you know, uh, throughout his career. You know, uh, rookie left tackle, number 45 overall pick. You know, one one of the coolest stories of this draft process because, you know, you have a former number one overall recruit, you know, five-star, you know, Goliath, uh, you know, all-American everything left tackle who hasn't played in two years because of injuries and then COVID-19 pandemic. So just talking to people from his past and kind of getting an idea of, okay, how he's gone, you know, from number one recruit to, you know, rookie left tackle, potential, you know, future blind side protector for Trevor Lawrence. All right, John, I want to thank you for your time as always. Uh, hope to have you back soon. Let our listeners know, if you would, please, how to catch up with you on the socials. Yeah, no, you can find me at underscore John underscore Shipley. And you, you can find our site. It's at Jaguar Report on Twitter and si.com slash NFL slash Jaguars. All right, sir. We'll talk to you down the line. I appreciate it. All right, John, thanks for those insights on the Jaguars, Urban Meyer, and the like. Uh, we'll look for some of your key players there. And Tavon Austin, I think, hey, I've always was a Tavon fan in West Virginia, number one. Let's do it this year, Tavon. So, folks, thanks for listening. Please subscribe if you get the opportunity. If you're on Megaphone, you've got the subscribe button. Or if you come through the Megaphone site, you've got the RSS feed that you can subscribe to. Or, of course, Apple Podcasts. He is Alex. I'm Lou. Until next week, peace.